new idea for a podcast, that having been said. <laughs> and then you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Sheriff, this is no time to panic. This is the perfect time to panic. I'm Steve Benson. And I'm Paul Schultz. And this is the Don't Panic Radio Show. Sit back, relax, and ignore the news because nothing you're about to hear is true. Welcome back. Thank you for your patience. (laughs) Sorry we missed a week. But what you don't realize is we had recording time scheduled like three different times. And I missed all three of them. (laughs) One of them we actually recorded. Yeah. But I I still missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was was rough. It just wasn't good. It It just wasn't good. Well, so this week, we, I think we, you know, we we made good use of our time that <laughs> that we took off, yeah, um, because we have a new softcore history for you. Mm-hmm. It's a very it's very topical and uh, relevant. We also have Black Lightning, the season finale just just happened. <laughs> that just happened. It just happened. <laughs> It was another one of those situations where last night, Tuesday night, I, I came into the I came into the TV watching room about twenty minutes past nine o'clock, and Black Lightning was on. I'm like, hold on, I just missed twenty minutes, and <laughs> I haven't seen the last two episodes. So, so we stopped that. We went and watched the last two episodes, and I had to wait till today because you know CW doesn't put up. Yeah. Their episodes till the next day. The next day. Um, so I'm all caught up. So so that'll get us pretty far along, probably about to the break. Mm-hmm. And then after the break, we have um, a new segment, a new slash resurrected segment. Right. Um, longtime listeners will remember that we tried the idea of starting a new podcast called Rough Draft, uh, where we talk to writers about writing and have them read and talk about their uh, writing. We had, I think, about three episodes. Yeah, we did exactly three. So what we decided to do to bring that back, because we both are still very interested in that, Uh is have a segment from time to time on the show called Rough Draft. (laughs) So we have the inaugural version of that with a William Wright. Talking about the world's Maybar, the new Aleph. And that'll, that'll be coming up after the break. And I think that'll be a show. We'll, 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 let, we'll let them know when we get there. Yes. Yes, we will. <laughs> so, um, question for you. Me or the audience? For you. Huh. Paul, Paul E. Schultz, artist. <laughs> so, it's depending on when you listen to this, right? But when we're recording it, it's mid-April. Yes. 2018. Yeah. Have your kids had any snow days recently? 
<laughs> no, because we have I-Step this week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's how the teachers get paid. <laughs> it could be raining fiery frogs from the sky. And nope, 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 nope. Everything's fine. Everything's Gas fine. to go get that money. That's right. What if they miss I-Step? Like, what if there's a snowstorm during I-Step? Do they just fail I, and the teachers no, get fired? That actually happened a couple years ago, and all they did was um, they did an I step makeup day a couple weeks later. Yeah, and if you miss a day, like like if your kid's sick or whatever, and you miss a day, um, they're allowed uh, like two weeks later they can do the I step makeup day where they sit and they take the test and like I assume a closet with a like bare light bulb, you know, yeah. as a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> a fly, a moth is like buzzing around and making that crackly noise. So for people that don't live in Indiana, I-STEP stands for Indiana something to E something that starts with P. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, man. That's exactly what it means. <laughs> I think the I is for Indiana, though, right? Do you think I-STEP is one of those things where they said... They started with the acronym and they said, we want it to be I-STEP. So now we got to come up with what everything stands for. If if anything I know about acronyms are is correct, they start out with the word and they try to make it into a thing. It's basically, uh, I don't know, every state has their own version. I'm sure M- Missouri's is called M-STEP, you know. <laughs> M-STEP. That's M-STEP. M-STEP. And... Uh, Rhode Island's is called strep. <laughs> the kids all got strep. Uh, but but it's basically the 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 thing where the state decides whether your school is doing what it's supposed to be doing, right? And then the yes. federal government you know, gets the reports from the states and decides whether the state's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And if the test scores are not where they're supposed to be, the federal government does the exact counterintuitive opposite thing that you would expect. I-STEP stands for Indiana Statewide Testing for Educational Progress. Of course it does. And and what the logical thing is, if the school is underachieving, what you would what you would do obviously is take funding away, because yes. the reason it's underachieving is it's getting too much funding. Yes, so, that makes complete sense. Obviously, that's so fucked up. That's what you would do. I just keep telling myself I only got eight more years of this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like Danny Glover. Only got eight more years of this shit. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. I saw a, a commercial for Justice League? No, Avengers. Avengers oh, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah. And you know who's in it? Everybody. <laughs> Including, they did that thing that they did with, that DC did with Wonder Woman. Like, you see all the Justice League commercials before the Wonder Woman movie comes out, right? Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. one way. And then Wonder Woman comes out, and it's wildly popular, right? <laughs> Next thing oh. you know, all the Justice League movies have Wonder Woman in them, yes. front and center. So yeah. then I'm I'm like, oh, 
Avengers Infinity War. Oh, that's Iron Man and, uh, you know, that giant green guy and the guy that looks like he's made out of Legos or Minecraft. You, you never and, studied. <laughs> and then Black Panther is like the biggest movie, not since Titanic, but bigger than Titanic. A billion plus globally. <laughs> and now every commercial for the Avengers I see is yes. like, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And Iron Man doesn't know what to do. And the Hulk doesn't know what to do. Nobody knows what to do. Oh, wait. There's Black Panther. He knows what well, to do. Well, they have been building Black Panther over the past four years in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think the commercials are definitely leaning Black Panther into forward. the Black Panther stuff. Yeah, they got the Black Panther fever. I'm trying to turn this into a race thing. They didn't want the black guy until he made them some money. Then now they're all about the black guy. <laughs> black hysteria is what I'm calling it. Black hysteria. Entertainment since Black Panther came out has become very black. And I, I don't mean that like there's never been black performers and, and stuff, but your commercials and the, the way the, the, the TV shows are shifting focus on character, it suddenly like black people are getting their comeuppance. Like, yeah, we're here. There's like, you know, millions of us. And, but Hollywood's always been so white, but here we are. So I call it black hysteria as a kind of a joke. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to let you keep talking to see if you talked yourself into a corner. No, but no. You, you did very well. <laughs> nice well, work. I, I have listened to the fat versus funny <laughs> segment so many times. I've learned how not to dig myself too deep. <laughs> I just I think black stereo sounds better than black hysteria. Black stereo black stereo sounds like a flower. I think it sounds like a virus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's got the black stereo. Oh, well, it's like it's, black exploitation. They didn't say black exploitation. They said black exploitation. They actually did say black exploitation, but it, like anything else, we're too lazy to say all the word. You have to replace a syllable with another syllable, right? Eventually, it'll be like, like, like what George Carlin said. It went from shell shock to post traumatic stress disorder to PTSD. Eventually, it'll just be initials. You forgot about um, battle fatigue. Oh, I know what black stereo sounds like. It sounds like something you catch by drinking water from the stream instead of boiling it first. <laughs> <laughs> He's crapping his balls off. Oh, he must have the black stereo. Oh, yeah. Why has it got to be black stereo? Why can't it be white stereo? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I have written an episode, a, a segment that we like to call Softcore History. Nineteen sixty-eight, Da Nang, Republic of Vietnam. A Marine named Robert. The war was going exactly how the politicians had hoped. Hearts and minds were being won, 
Viet Cong commies were being killed. The mood was light, and duty in country was an exciting break from the monotony of the Japanese island. Within a few weeks of landing in Nam, the Marine Staff Sergeant of Marine Wing Support Group 17 was in the middle of all the excitement he could ask for. You see, the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong launched a counteroffensive and practically overnight changed the whole game. In something that came to be known as the Tet Offensive, the Vietnam War went from nearly won to unwinnable for the Americans. Suddenly, MWSG-17 had a fight on their hands. A farm boy from Kansas turned trained killer had come a long way. Robert had seen a lot of things. He wasn't even supposed to be here in this godforsaken jungle. He was supposed to be back in the States chasing his dreams. But he got himself in trouble one too many times in the rural heartland where everybody knows everybody. The judge gave him a choice. Jail or military? (laughs) It was an easy decision. It was 1961 and America was between wars. Joining the Navy like his father before him seemed like a path of little resistance. Only the Navy wouldn't take him. Too much juvie mischief. So he guessed he'd wander out of that recruiting station and right into a jail cell. But he walked past another recruiting station. This one had a poster of a Marine in dress blues. And it had a recruiting officer who liked strong farm boys who could do pull-ups. <laughs> Robert's life went from aimless wandering to a date with destiny. A stint as a drill sergeant, a few tours in Japan, and then at the center of a war that changed America and changed every soldier who was a part of it. Robert knew what he wanted. He'd leave the farm in Kansas, go make his fortune, and come back and buy the family farm. His plan was solid. As a former drill instructor and combat veteran, his experience and skills were in demand as a consultant to filmmakers wanting to tell authentic stories about the Vietnam War. Robert knew that no actor, even an actor coached and trained by a real drill sergeant, could do it as well as the real deal. His plan worked in The Boys of Company C in 1978, in Apocalypse Now in 1979, in Purple Hearts in 1984. But when it really worked, (laughs) it really, really worked. (laughs) The role of a lifetime. The role where he played himself. 1987. Full metal jacket. Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, Robert Lee Ermey's Destiny. I bet you're the kind of guy that would fuck a person in the ass and not even have the goddamn common courtesy to give him a reach around. (laughs) (laughs) So, we lost one of the good ones, right? Yep. R. R. Lee Ermey, Robert Robert Lee Ermey, died this week. 
Born in 1944, March 24th, I think. Died April 15th, 2018, age of 74. Too young. Uh-huh. They said complications from pneumonia. I always wonder about how, like, like it for some reason, if he had died of emphysema, I would have gone, ah, he, he lived a good long life. It was, it was his time, right? Uh-huh. Or if he died of... Uh, like if a, if a, if an anvil fell on his head, mm-hmm. like in the cartoons, I'd be like, Ugh, unlucky bastard, you know, <laughs> an anvil. But, but I don't get, <laughs> yeah, why are why are there anvils on the third story, right? Or pianos, even <laughs> pianos. Why are they always dropping the and, fucking and how, pianos? How, like how can said. one guy with a pulley <laughs> hoist that freaking gigantic piano up? And how are you going to get it in that little bitty window anyway? anyway. So here's the here's the shame with Arlie Ermey mm. is he was still doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, 74 is not that old. My dad's 80 and he, he's still doing stuff. He had a right? he had a TV show on like History Channel or something. It was a, where where he would like shoot guns and drive tanks and do all that crazy shit. And they would so compare the, like one weapon to another weapon and so I remember when I first heard how he got that role in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Um, where Stanley Kubrick hired him to coach the actor who was <laughs> going to play the drill sergeant. Uh-huh. And how, as Arlie Ermey was coaching the guy, Stanley Kubrick's like, well, you're the guy. You're doing it better than this guy. Fired the actor, yeah. hired Arlie Ermey to play the part. So there's a couple of things I didn't know until I researched this brief um, softcore history. Uh-huh. One is I didn't realize that was not the first time that it happened uh-huh. <laughs> with Arlie Ermey. Huh. I thought, like, like I'd always had in my head, the mythology in my head was he was just this drill sergeant, like, like a drifter, yeah. like, oh, here's work I can do, and then suddenly got hired for this thing. Mm-hmm. He had That was his plan, and I'm like, I respect it more now, because he looked at it as, I want to be an actor, mm-hmm. and here's how I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> and he made it happen, right. right? And that's like my philosophy in life. I have never stumbled into anything, right? I've always been like, here's how I'm going to make that happen, and yeah. then I go... Yep. make that happen. Yep, you always right? have. I, I've always admired that about you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you saying that, but I'd rather have it be the other way. <laughs> I'd rather stumble into things, <laughs> you know, because I hate this. Because there's a lot of work and persistence, <laughs> you know, that it takes to make it, like, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I'd rather stumble into it like... Uh, Kramer, a tired-looking whore, Paris Hilton, <laughs> or Kramer who just falls ass backwards into everything, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so I learned that that this wasn't the first time. I learned that it is something that he intentionally did, mm-hmm. and I um I didn't realize he actually served in Vietnam. Yeah, I thought he was just a drill instructor, and that was it. No, he but was- he served in Vietnam. Showed up in country right as the Tet Offensive was <laughs> launching. When he 
okay, you you, you mentioned Apocalypse Now, and I'm glad you did, because when he got hired on to do that, there's, there's a funny history. Um, Apocalypse Now was made in the Philippines. Up until Apocalypse Now, the Philippines for about five or six years was like low budget movies would film in the Philippines because it was cheap. They they loved American money. You could get some you could get everything for pennies on the dollar. You know, it was just a cheap, easy, good place to film movies. American International, which Roger Corman did a lot of American International movies. They filmed a lot of shit in the Philippines. Until Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now made the Philippines suddenly go, wait a second, we can get a shit ton <laughs> more money for these <laughs> movies. So it, Apocalypse Now killed it for the low-budget film industry. But I was when I was watching a documentary on it, uh, he the drill sergeant was talking. He's like, they hired him on as uh, a consult, uh, like a consultant, to make sure that they had everything the way it was supposed to be, and that kind of the creative. I forget what the what the word would be for that. Um, he's he's like, I don't know what war they thought we were fighting when they made this movie. <laughs> he's like, this was nothing. The the crazy. <laughs> crazy shit that was going on with these characters. I don't recall any of that in Vietnam. <laughs> all I all I remember is keeping my head down <laughs> the whole <laughs> So I just thought that was funny that even he was like, uh, I don't know what that was, but that wasn't what Vietnam was. I like to think that's uh, really I'm, what Vietnam was, but that's just my, my... Do you think that guy from Tropic Thunder was uh, based on Arlie Ermey? Yes. <laughs> Yes. I think Tropic Thunder owes a great deal to him. Here's the thing I would say about Arlie Ermey. Loved the character, uh, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman. Loved yeah. the guy. Every interview I ever heard yeah. with him, I, I loved him. Liked yeah. him as a person. Thought he's a great, wonderful American, right? So I think I think uh, Gunny's Vietnam mm-hmm. was not... The same as Nicolas Cage's dad's Vietnam, right? <laughs> Wait, maybe I said that wrong. Okay, you fix this in post. I don't think Gunny's, uh, Arlie Ermey's Vietnam was the same as what Francis Ford Coppola was trying to portray, right? Because Francis Ford Coppola was portraying the dark side of Vietnam. And he was using Vietnam as a metaphor and an allegory for basically going native, yes. right? Yeah, he was doing the whole heart of darkness thing with yeah. that movie. And so Arlie Ermey would say, Arlie Ermey is a patriot. Uh-huh. And Arlie Ermey was a staff sergeant when he retired from the Marines. Yeah. And he, he was given an honorary gunnery sergeant promotion which is the only time, or the first time at least, I don't know if it's happened since then, but it was the first time any Marine ha- had ever been promoted after leaving the Marines. Right. Right. And it was because of the positive portrayal of a Marine and the military and patriotism and all that. 
right? So the guy was right-wing, nationalist, patriot, military guy. Hmm. Apocalypse Now was anything but pro-military. Yes, it was very, it was very, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. The second half of Full Metal Jacket wasn't exactly pro-military. No, no, not at all. <laughs> right? But Arlie Ermey in the interviews that I heard him in was very pro-military and pro-America and pro... Like, I don't know if he was a Trump supporter, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was. Right. So that would explain that. Like, if he's like, I don't know what war they were trying to whatever, well, that that would certainly explain that. Well, in the case of Apocalypse Now, my my defense against for movies like that and movies that people don't quite understand is m- movies don't so much portray reality as a perception of a reality. It's like yes. you're not you're not filming we're not doing Band of Brothers here. We're not doing Saving Private Ryan, you know, if it had British soldiers in it. <laughs> We're doing an opinion and a look and a theme like the Spaghetti Westerns, for instance. The Spaghetti Westerns weren't a reality. They weren't reality. They were a perception. They were a perception of a reality. And I think yeah. that's what I think that's what Apocalypse Now was. It was it was very, very much not. It was more like if you – this is probably what guys who went to Vietnam, this is probably the nightmares they had when they got back, <laughs> you know. I think um, to to avoid turning this into the entire show, sure. I think we could do a, a future show on this. But what I would refer the listeners to is History on Fire, the latest three episodes – where Daniela Bellelli does a masterful job, along with Daryl Cooper, who does the Martyr Made podcast and did a fantastic uh, series on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Mm-hmm. But they did a, a they did a three episode series on how people, soldiers specifically, turned to the dark side given the right circumstances. Yeah. And I think that is totally what Apocalypse Now was about. And they actually talk about Apocalypse Now in this series where they go, yeah, this is what Coppola was like trying to convey. It was like humanity and going native and what we're capable of. You know what we should do? We should do an episode where like this might take a tad bit of research, and by that I mean watch a couple movies. We should do a comparison contrast episode of Apocalypse Now and The Deer Hunter. Yeah, because those were two really, really those were two great <laughs> Christopher Walken. For those of you who can't see, Steve is doing his Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> I, I think that I think that would be a lot of fun to do. At some point, yeah, I think so. So if our, right. if our list, if our listeners want us to do that, let us know, and we'll do it. So, Gunny Hartman, you'll be missed. Yeah. Now let's talk about Black Lightning. We pray at night for the helpless, hoping you get us through breakfast, wishing somebody come save us. Black Lightning's back, come to shock the haters. 
Let me just start out by saying uh, Black Lightning is the shit. All right? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, the I have to take a minute to collect myself for this. <laughs> I'd like to see it as like a feature movie, right? Like a, I like to see him in a feature film. And I don't know if there are plans mm. for that or or what, but I just think that. Just the whole concept. I I don't know that I've seen anything like it, where there's a family. Well, the Wonder Twins. Let's be honest. <laughs> that was a family, right? Yeah, the but they were Incredibles. aliens. They, oh, yeah, the Incredibles. Forget about it. I could do a <laughs> show on the Incredibles. <laughs> but when in the season finale, and look, listeners, if you haven't by now seen the season finale. Stop listening. Stop. If you're driving, pull your car over. Watch the season finale because spoilers abound. Yes. When the I loved when and we're like three episodes behind, so I'm jumping ahead. But I loved when you've been saying this whole time. They're leading up to something big. They're leading up to something big. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the season finale, of course, is like delivered on everything that you've been saying. Yeah. I, <laughs> I me, me and my son, we were just like, mm-hmm. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, finally. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's all being revealed. The guns they, that I complained about at one yes. point. Like, yes. oh, there's a reason those guns were invented. <laughs> and, and what the fuck is up with Tobias? And what the fuck is up with Lala? And right. what's going to happen with um, Jennifer? And yep. and the the fine ass tall drink of water. <laughs> and what's tall glass gonna do? <laughs> what size she gonna come down on? Is she just gonna be that thing that uh, and, William Wright complained about? Like, oh, there's always a woman holding the man back. Uh, no. And, and 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 your brother Mike is worried about Gamby, and yeah. he doesn't have to worry anymore. Don't worry about Gamby. That's right. Hell, Gamby don't. can take care of his his own shit. Speaking of Gamby, I loved that. I loved how they did it too. Like the um, the, the Navy SEAL SWAT team mm-hmm. commando whatevers are converging on the house, the cabin in the woods, which is apparently in North Freeland, and Gamby's trying to get the family to escape out the back, right? Yeah, yeah. And Tallglass is like, no. We're not running. This is yeah. my town, right? I'm not running from my town. Give me one of those, right? Right. So he gives her a gun, and that's the last we see. Like, for all we know, they're going to go all, like, Red Rider Christmas story, like, like knock a window out, and, you know, <laughs> it's going to so be very, like the gauntlet with Clint Eastwood, right? Or, or very um, Valiant for prologue. <laughs> right? <laughs> we don't know what they're going to do. So so then we see part of the commando team break into the house, and we're like, oh, shit, right? Mm-hmm. You see Gamby laying on the floor like, oh, he's been hit. Mm-hmm. And then she comes out, blows the dude away, Gamby gets up. I'm like, yeah. oh, they had a plan. Yeah. There's so, there's such, <sighs> it's so, it's so well thought out. And I, I was noticing that one of the reasons why I think this there's a couple of reasons why this season is very consistent. 
One is, it was 13 episodes. Two is, the primary directors and writers are all the same. They're all working very tightly in cahoots with one another. The thing you'll notice when you get into blown out seasons where there's like 23 episodes. It goes from, it goes from like 13 to like 18 to 20 to 23 episodes is they'll get a shit ton of different directors and writers in there. And it's just, those are just the filler episodes and they give a little bit of, they'll put an Easter egg in one of the episodes to carry the plot along a little bit. When you're dealing with 13 episodes and like maybe two directors and four writers, the shit is tight. It's so tightly written. Nothing, nothing that got talked about in episode one didn't get resolved or, or continued finally until the 13th, 13th episode. It's very tightly yeah. written and to very tightly filmed. My son and I we're gonna we're we're going to order the the Blu-ray here pretty soon of the season, and we're gonna binge watch it and see if it flows like <laughs> as smoothly as we think it does. I loved everything about the uh, the finale. I love the um, we watched um, the penultimate episode and then the mm-hmm. one before the penultimate episode. Both last night, I like both of those. There's a few meta moments for me. One is when, when in this episode, when Young Jefferson is running from his for his life, and the SWAT, the the armed SWAT guys are gonna beat the shit out of him, and they talk about that there was a riot and there was gassing. I think at some point in this series. It's been it's it's come to my attention that at some point in this series the character of Static Shock is going to come in. Static Shock is another electrical character. Static Shock was part of DC's Milestone universe which if you've read if you read comics in the 90s, you know, hopefully you read some of the Milestone books which was their way of showing how the world really would have been not all superheroes are white guys. You know, it was a it was a very minority based, reality based line of comics. And it got started with their big bang was there was a riot and the police used experimental tear gas and it created meta humans. Well, there's a lot of parallels and similarities to what they're writing in the Black Lightning. So at some point I'm curious if any of the other milestone characters are gonna start popping up. Because the one thing about CW is, over the course of two or three seasons, they start introducing more and more metahumans. Flash has so many of them, I can't even keep count anymore. But they're planning on bringing Static Shock into the Black Lightning, the Lightning Verse, as they call it. So I'm curious who else they're going to bring in. And all these frozen kids in test tubes are, and these cryogenic chambers are perfect to be some of these characters. There was one. There was something else I was going to mention. I was like you. I I, I actually finished it about forty five minutes before you did, because <laughs> it was a long day. the The way they ended the episode, mm-hmm. and therefore the season, was perfect. Yeah, for a non comic book guy like me, mm-hmm. because it brought back the theme, the family theme, and they're playing the song. Yes, it's a family, family affair. affair. Which right. we've used on the show before. And he's running with his daughters. 
Mm-hmm. Which I can can't relate to whatsoever, but <laughs> I can relate to the doing something you love with your daughters. Yes, right. And the fact that Tobias was so front and center, yeah, and so important to this episode and to this season and to the next season, yeah. I'm like, I can't get enough Tobias. If they no, do a spinoff. Called the Tobias Show. I'm in. Right? Imagine if Tobias had a talk show, like a, <laughs> a late night talk show. We gotta bring up this other motherfucker. <laughs> we got another money. motherfucker to bring out. Then we and, got and some fucking music. The the you know, her, his Andy Richter is cyanide, you know, <laughs> and his music director is Lala. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I wonder about Lala. I think he just got blown up. Yeah, but he can. I liked his character. But you think but, he'll get resurrected again? Y- yes, because again, I'm going to meta here. The tattooed man, which is what they called him, I believe. I knew can, it. I, I knew it when they can, said you like yeah. a tattoo man. I was like, that's another superhero. Well, I think he can die and come back to life again. I'm not a hundred percent sure on him. I know that. Uh, pain. It was a painkiller, which is what the the boy that had the well, I can't say boy, the the, the gentleman of color that had the <laughs> his legs broken. Painkiller is a character. Cyanide's a character. Oh, is that what they're calling uh, Camille? Khalil? Yes, the Khalil. They called him Cyanide. Oh, who's painkiller? He was after. Well, we we googled him after the show, and I was looking at the artwork for him, and he was well after the time that I had stopped reading. DC Comics, so I have no idea who he is. No, I mean, Painkiller is in Black Lightning? Yes, that's Khalil. Oh, that's what I said. He he calls him as Painkiller, yes. Well, who's Cyanide? Cyanide is the the crazy white girl that shoots everybody. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. So you think Tattoo Man will be Lala? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think think so. Well, so uh, we may talk more about Black Lightning... Between now and then, but it is going to be a long six months. Yeah. The problem, the problem with Black Lightning is, is it's a mid-season show, which means the new season won't start till around the Super Bowl. Ooh. So we're going to have a long, dry spell. Maybe Stranger Things will come out in between now and then. Oh, there'll be that, and I'm sure we'll fill the we'll fill the void. Make believe that you don't see it.
Soma Dan's husband and two daughters vanish. They leave behind none. While searching for her family, Soma instead discovers terrible truths about her home. She comes up against strange worlds, godlike rulers, and even death in her mission to gain justice for her family. The New Aleph, an audiobook novel, follows Soma and others as her actions transform their worlds around them. Listen to it on the Worlds of Maybar podcast to judge the evidence for yourself. Whether these transformations will turn those worlds from wrong to right, or will destroy them. Search Worlds of Maybar wherever you get your podcasts, or go to worldsofmaybar.com. That's Worlds of M-E-B-A-R. Again, search for Worlds of Maybar.
If you're gonna tell me your life story, why don't you sit down? We're joined by a William Wright. We always love having friends of the show on the show, and we always love having a William Wright. Not the William Wright, just any William Wright. Any, any of and, them. And the best part is no, nobody knows which William Wright it is. It's just a William Wright. <laughs> There's a conglomerate of us. You know, we all, we all work together. I've often thought <laughs> in my marriage that that would be pretty handy. <laughs> well, you know, well, that's why I was able to write those 15 novels in, in three weeks you know that... <laughs> it took you three weeks to write 15 novels I thought it was nine novels in 17 minutes there's something well he had to you know. sleep <laughs> so we're, we're welcoming Andy on the show uh, Andy is a William Wright that's what the uh stands for stands yeah. for Andy that's true <laughs> And you can find him on all the things at, at, you know, I've started here. They used to say I'm on Twitter at a William Wright, mm-hmm. but now I've, I've started hearing personalities say we're on Twitter at, at a William Wright, that kind of That's... thing. I'm like, you don't have to say at twice. No, I don't think. No. I That's don't like think so. my, my dad still says www dot and he spells out. It's like, dad, you don't have to do that anymore. My dad says HTTP colon slash slash WWW. Of course. Yeah. My mom, and every time he does it, my mom's like, Ray. (laughs) So the reason Andy's on the show today is uh, to do a recap of the new Aleph, which is one in in the, uh, it's part of the Worlds of Maybar um, universe. And... You know, for his listeners and for our listeners, we just want to give, he wants to give, and we want him to give a recap and uh, get us all excited to finish it. In case you haven't, you've had plenty of time. I don't know what excuse you could possibly have, but just in case you haven't had time, you've been catching up on Don't Panic, or you've been listening to the Life Science Effect, trying to get caught up on that, maybe uh, Dan Carlin just released an addendum show so maybe you were listening to that whatever your excuse it's not good enough go over there to the new aleph and uh get caught up because there might be spoilers here on this show it's true how's that as an introduction why don't you fill in the blanks that's perfect andy and (laughs) fill in the blanks give us a little glimpse into your personal life of the past few months and uh just give, give everybody a taste especially new listeners of what it is uh, you do and who you are. Oh, well, me, I am a, ro- a writer mostly, and I also do art for the stuff I'm writing. Um, I don't make any money off anything yet, so that's fun. Not Must really. make eating really <laughs> difficult. Well, I have a boring, <laughs> a boring day job that pays for the oh. bills, and so I can eat. Otherwise, that would be difficult, yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, I've been so this latest project is the the most recent book I finished, um, and it's been going since July of last year. the the pod the podcast, so uh, it's coming up. It's oh. almost been a year now. I've been doing it. Mm-hmm. 
How, how do people find the podcast real quick? They can either go on iTunes or Google Play and just search for Worlds of Maybar, uh, which is, or it looks like it's spelled Mebar, but it's M-E-B-A-R. M-E-B-A-R. Yeah. It's like Rebar with an M. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I should remember that. That's nice and catchy. Um, so, like, that's the fat. That's probably the easiest way. It's on all the things. It's on Stitcher. It's on, you know, it. But it's also you can go to worldsofmaybar dot com and it'll. It's that's the main website for it. So you write you write the stuff and then and then you record the stuff. Actually, your voice is pretty good oh, for thanks. audio for an audio book uh, narrator. The oh. your art is fantastic. Oh, mm-hmm. thanks. It gets better all the time, too, because cool. I've known you a couple of years, and I've seen a definite growth there, oh, that's along with the writing, of course, but I have been noticing your art. And you're, you are an armchair rocket scientist. I played way too much of that Kerbal Space Program game. I Steam, Steam says I put over 450 hours into it last year, which <laughs> I don't know. It's not bad. It was like a, if like a job is basically like two thousand hours, right? <laughs> so you did like a quarter time job, like twenty five percent, which would be yeah. like uh, ten hours a week. Yeah, I think I had the game running in the background a little bit during the day too, but still, <laughs> that doesn't explain that ridiculous amount of hours of I don't know. It's At some much. point, maybe we should have you on the show to talk about what exactly the Kerbal Space Program is. I could talk a lot about that. We will talk about that. One day we will talk about that. <laughs> One day. Today is not that day. Okay. Not today. today. Not today. <laughs> that, was a, that reminds me of a quote from the movie The Last Battleship or just Battleship or the one where the the old battleship went up against the aliens. Oh, yeah. Battleship. And the uh, insert, you know, whoever the it boy of the day is adventure character guy he's mm-hmm. talking to the old Japanese uh, guy. He's like, the Japanese guy is like, we are going to die. And he says, yes, I'm going to die. You're going to die. We are all going to die, but not today. It's like, it's like my kids like, yeah, that's like, that's like, that's writing right there, man. It's like when my oh, kids man. ask me, like, is uh, like when the dog gets sick, is Basil gonna <laughs> die? I was like, yeah, someday. <laughs> Probably not today. <laughs> that guy like woke up in the middle of the night and grabbed his notepad and scribbled on that line. He, he thought did. it was brilliant, but not today. Change the channel, Marge. Hey, Andy. Yes. You live in L.A., correct? Yes, I do. So. Out in L.A., people are always pitching movies. Yes. Since you live out there, and and yeah, I'm sure everybody in L.A. is good at this, if you were pitching a movie and uh, TNA was the movie, the new Aleph, mm-hmm. that you're pitching, what would that sound like? Like, Oof. like uh, you're you're <laughs> going you're you're going to the cigar chomping movie executive. And you're going, look, but he can't, here's what it is. He can't light up indoors, though. He's just got it in his mouth. <laughs> right. He can't, smoke. he can't smoke indoors. So what would that sound like? That's something that I think about a lot. Really, the first, the, this book, New Aleph, really centers around the character Soma. It's who's a police detective with a family 
and that her family vanishes. And it centers around her trying to figure out what is going on. And things escalate from there with uh, her discovering that there's something wrong with the universe itself. That anyway, There's this whole element of the the very structure of reality not being what she thought it was and at the time at the same time she's trying to figure that out we're following other characters who are also going through their own like realizations about the world and their convictions about how things are aren't aren't true anymore so everybody's real worlds are breaking down and falling apart but at the same time it's soma is the one who is making big decisions she's pushing through she goes through uh technically has herself killed and resurrected in a sense to get to the answers and then faces the leaders, the, the people she finds that are the leaders of the entire world and comes face to face with them. And <clears throat> it uh, gets to the point where she gains the ability to start changing things in the world herself. And what was that movie with that guy where his daughter was kidnapped and he said, I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> oh, was that movie? Taken. Taken. So it's like Taken yeah. meets uh, <laughs> Vanilla Sky meets uh, what's that? What's the, Total what's Recall. The one? What? I haven't seen Vanilla Sky. What's the, it's, it's a pretty good. What, what the hell is that movie? Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. No, uh, you're thinking of uh, Jason Bourne, like the Bourne Identity meets. <laughs> no, Inception. Oh, <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, it's like Inception meets Taken, meets the Bourne Identity. Well, that's true because in Inception, he's trying to get his family back. That's yeah, true. I forgot give me back my that. family. <laughs> I think at some point he says that in the movie. Yeah, we you know when you're pitching a movie. <laughs> For some reason, cigar chomping executives can't think on their own, so you always have to compare it no, to some can't. other movie. Oh, it's like yeah, yeah. The guy yeah. that was pitching Jaws was like, "It's like Grizzly in the ocean." But wait, <laughs> Grizzly was after Jaws. Oh, then the guy that was pitching Grizzly was like, "It's like Jaws on Jaws. land. It's like shark. It's like Jaws. <laughs> Jaws on land, <laughs> but in the mountains with Joe Don Baker and Grizzly. You mean Grizzly Adams? No, that's a different guy. <laughs> different guy." So what, what, tell me three things or, you know, two or four, approximately three plus or minus one things mm -hmm. that you hope your listeners get out of, get out of your book. Well, I want them to get out, uh, that feeling of like the, the feeling of determination is a big part of it with all the characters having to make the choice to keep pushing forward. Um, Probably the one of the biggest, the main theme underlying everything is the idea of, of, kind of, the the balance between personal justice and, glo like general justice. I guess like, there a lot of it's not as explicit. <laughs> general justice. Paul just saluted. <laughs> general justice. Yeah. General justice. I, sorry, I, these are cool. I have children. It, it a, just comes in it's, yeah. uh, like a reflex. <laughs> yeah, he was Colonel Justice. Now he's General Justice. <laughs> After right. he saved all those children in that <laughs> that fire or something. I don't know. Anyway, that's um, how you get promoted from Colonel to General. I you yeah, save kids I in a fire. <laughs> it's not about winning battles, of course. Was he no. 
Is he um, the general of the fire department? <laughs> maybe. Uh, but it, but uh, the idea of like, do you compromise your own uh, goodness to have to do the right thing? Like that that question of like, what is the, um, you know, uh, what's the what's a just uh, re- the the means ends justifying the means that kind of thing. It's kind of like that balance. I want people to kind of walk away thinking about that that balance of like what like what justifies what means like like because you have I it kind of got in a way got bigger than I expected because I didn't really uh, I've discovered that people's a lot of people's favorite character is Soma, um, and I was just kind of writing her. Partly is a sort of a for the idea originally was to have her kind of be a force of nature that pushes the other characters to act, but she ended up kind of just taking taking hold of the show, so that was yeah. kind of an yeah, interesting. Characters do that, yeah. So that was it was interesting because that kind of added this extra flavor I didn't expect to that question of like of ends justifying the means because, like in my mind, she's pushing too hard, but. It's like, oh, well, I don't, but I want to be careful. I don't want to, like, push that, that you know, that judgment on the readers. Like, let the readers kind of, or the listeners, I guess, make their own decision about that. Like, that's, like, I just want to, I just need to make sure I continue to keep the characters true to themselves so that the listeners can continue, can continue to make their own opinions about that stuff and make their own thoughts about, like, is she making the right decision? Is like would would they make those decisions in that case? And yeah, sometimes like sometimes the author just needs to get out of the way. I mean, yeah, you know, definitely. Don't get between the reader and the character. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. So so you're at you're at kind of a milestone moment. Mm-hmm. What what's next for Worlds of Maybar? Where we left off in the story, <clears throat> there was there was big things about to happen. So like Soma had just, or she was, she's in the process of delivering this, this phrase, which drives me crazy because it always comes out sounding messy when I record it. She's released, she's delivering arrest lists, which is, I have to say like three times. I have to say it three times. Yeah. A list of ways to rest. uh, Lists, multiple lists of, People to arrest. That's, yeah. But I can never, it's tricky saying it, having it not just be like, you know. It's like the blacklist. It's like the blacklist meets the born identity meets Jaws meets the fifth element. All these, all these things. There's some fifth element in there for sure. But so she's, she just is in the process of handing those out to the mayors of all the big cities and saying these are the people who have who have been involved in these murders or are connected to these murders they need to everyone's going to be stopped and or brought to justice and so there's a big question of like how is this going to what's the fallout of this going to be so that's on her side and on the other side there's the other characters primarily Aramis and Paul who are just kind of just regular people. That still cracks me I know. Up. I'm sorry about that. What names. about Atticus? That... <laughs> yeah, where's Atticus? Uh, Wrong book. Most... Canarlo. Worst, <laughs> the worst name coincidences ever. But they're <laughs> they're trying to get a group of people out of the world. They're trying to go to this portal world to rescue the bunch of people who 
are afraid of Soma's actions. They're partly afraid, maybe they're afraid of being arrested, maybe they're afraid of the the chaos resulting from the arrest, or they're just afraid that the fact that Soma's in charge and that she's ruthless. So maybe they're afraid of multiple things. They're trying to get out. So all these questions are going to be answered in what? What another another installment or another another book? The last chunk of the new Aleph will deal with all, most of this immediate stuff. Okay. And then the the final. I mean, the second book is going to pick up after everything settles down a little bit, and then everything will get. You know, I don't want to spoil what happens at what's going to happen in this book or what happens in the next book. But, but, but yeah. When's the next, gonna be a, when can we expect the next chunk? The next, oh, the next, like next episode for this book. Well, whatever comes next. Oh, I don't have an exact date yet, but in about, I would say about a week and a half from when this episode comes out. The reason I'm not like off the cuff, like know immediately when it's coming out, like the date is because I was working on getting ready for a big test for my martial arts stuff, oh. and it was extremely exhausting. I had to I had to put the whole podcast on hold for a month, and then it's I'm kind of still stuck on that hold because I had this I had like some health issues because I was so exhausted, and I'm kind of I'm like almost recovered from all that stuff, but I'm so it's just it was a mess. So, but now you yeah. can sell your guns because you. You you My your gosh. hands are now lethal weapons. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, like Barney, like Barney Five. His whole body is a right. weapon now. <laughs> whole weapons. So, well, I mean, I've been a yeah. So that kind of gets into um, what's been going on in your life aside from the the new Aleph. So, what martial arts thing were you training for? So I was getting ready for my second degree black belt test. Look at you! Did you? And how did that go? Most of it went really well. There was like one section that was a bit of a mess and I don't know how well it went. So here's the thing is it's kind of like I it's it's to the point where I don't know if the judges were just being like they're playing mind games with me and my partner cuz we were both having a rough time and they're just like being super hard on us for the sake of just, you know, being hard on us and being like, oh, you need to do this and nitpicking everything because it was a good ex- advantage uh, to tell us how to do everything better. And they're just being really hard on us about it. I don't know if it was that or if we were doing terrible. So it's kind of this. <laughs> well, you were <laughs> you were talking about it got kind of messed. You know, was that the part where you reached in and grabbed his heart <laughs> and pulled it out? And you're like, no. <laughs> it's still beating. You're like, no, the, the hardest. Trying, you're trying to put it back in. No. When the hardest you... part was I had to. <laughs> I would say the hardest part was I had to we had to do this knife defense stuff and there we take we take the knife defense stuff very seriously because of how dangerous it is and yeah. oh, it was it was brutal. When do you find yeah, out? Like, oh, I had a couple weeks. Okay. I'll know if I passed. So, what art is this? It's called Sobakdo. It used to be called Tungsudo. Most people know it by that name. There's a long, long reason why, but it's a it's a Korean style. It's similar to Taekwondo. The main difference is we have more hand stuff than Ta- Taekwondo is mostly kicks, not a lot of hand stuff. We have a little bit more hand stuff. Do, That's the big difference. Do you um, are you familiar with Hapkido? Uh, a little bit. 
I know that that's another Korean style that's more it's more soft, as in like jointment control stuff, and uh, softer than um, what? What is yours again? Some 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 keto. It's some... so sobakdo. Sobakdo. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I'll write that down. I just want to point out that I I don't know karate, but I know crazy. Um, <laughs> that's a bad joke. Hey, uh, Andy, you should talk. You should talk to Nick. From the old oh. Marvel Redo, Officer Nick. He's mm-hmm. a he he he's a martial arts instructor, and oh, I believe cool. he also does um, he does like the knife instructing too. Ooh. I've seen some of the shit he can do, and it's pretty it's pretty impressive. <laughs> so you might want to hit him up just to t- if you want to talk to somebody else about it. He'd be he loves talking about it. That's cool. So, well, I'm yeah. I'm super impressed, sir, and I think anyone. Anyone with a black belt. It's like one of those things in life that if you have the opportunity and you get close enough and you, 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 let me put it this way. Somebody with a black belt has put in the time and has had the discipline to accomplish something really huge. And the fact that you're going for second degree means it wasn't just like, oh, I just want a black belt. It means you're committed to the art. It's a... It's a commitment for you, and that's very, very impressed. Very impressed. Thanks. I have a funny story, which also allows me to to uh, say something impressive about myself. <clears throat> I would never pass up that opportunity. So, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, this would be a very quiet show. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I studied hapkido, which is. Uh, why I brought that up because when you said like Taekwondo, but more hand stuff, I was like, well, that sounds like Hapkido, but, Mm. but you're right about like, there's more joint locks and the Hapkido is a very defensive, uh, it's, you know, it's not quite, um, Aikido, the Japanese, like very much almost all defensive, Mm. um, it's not quite that, but it does use some of the, uh, use the, the opponent's power against them sort of mm-hmm. thing, like deflect deflection of, of their power. Um, but then there's some jujitsu thrown in and mm-hmm. stuff. But anyway, I was able to, to get as far as red belt. So mm-hmm. I didn't, didn't quite make it to black belt, but I was a red belt for like a year That's before so I, before I did what I always do. That's still a lot life, of training, which is quit. Um, yeah, it was a lot of training. It was like four, five, six years of training three, four days a week for me just to quit. When I was, you know, that close. But anyway, so so I got this red belt, right? And mm-hmm. um, life happened and whatever. Um, so it's been years since I've trained. But my daughters, uh, when they were younger, took karate. And or karate, which I'll, I'll say with my eyes closed and, and my eyebrows raised. Karate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the Japanese roll their tongue or not. But anyway. Uh, so they took karate and they had this like, bring your parents to karate class day. Mm-hmm. Right. And my kid who was taking karate convinced me to wear my, uh, my uniform and my belt. Right. Oh. And I was like, I hope nobody asked me to actually do anything. Cause it's been a long time. <laughs> so I go in, I wear my red belt and we're doing the, you know, we walk in. And the instructors, like as soon as we walk in and I got, I have my belt on, they're like calling me sir. They're bowing to me. They're, they're like, like everything is like, they're like, 
all this deference with these like third, fourth degree black belt instructor instructors or whatever, right? And I'm thinking, damn, I really now hope they don't. So then we get all lined <laughs> up and they're they're we're going through I even forget what they're called, the forms and the mm-hmm. you know, the different yeah. things you do in karate or whatever. And so the class ends. They come up to me after the class, much less deferential now. <laughs> they go <laughs> They go, so what are what art did you study? They go, Hapkido. And they're like, oh, okay. You may not have known in karate, the red belt is higher than black belt. Oh. Like red belt is as high as you could go. And so when you walked in here with that red belt, we thought, oh, they didn't say this, but it was like, oh, shit. Here's a red belt, which is higher <laughs> than black strange. belt. You know? I've never heard and of that then, before. That's interesting. But then when we, saw the, when we saw you actually doing the stuff, we... We can tell you didn't know what you were doing, so we all relaxed. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought you were going to turn it into a Seinfeld episode when, when Kramer was in the karate class with the little kids. Oh, right. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I have to find that one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's a good one. Well, sounds great. We should probably bring it back around to yeah, Andy. Around. Oh, yeah. Hey, so, so what's next? Uh, so, you know. You, I, do have, you, I do have a couple questions other, that yes. other people had for the show. Oh, bring it on. So there's one question that said, uh, has it been fun reading your own story to an unseen audience? Would you do it again for other stories you've written? Um, I'd say that it was a gigantic happy coincidence that my voice is acceptable for people's ears and that that has been a, <laughs> a gigantic bonus to to all of this it's like one thing i didn't have to worry about of all the things to worry about it's like oh at least <laughs> at least my voice isn't terrible uh so <laughs> that's been in, that's been enjoyable like knowing that i can make my make good vo- good noises in people's ears and <laughs> and that people are and that people who are listening to it seem to enjoy it some people are getting you know in, some people have had people have had different in, uh different reactions to it I've had some people just say it's been a lot of fun. Other people have said it's been the darkest thing I've ever written. It's like, oh, okay. So it's like, it's just <laughs> interesting. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'd like to continue doing it, at least for my, for Maybar. I don't know if I'll do it for any of my previous stuff unless I suddenly become like, unless I suddenly start getting paid for writing or paid for doing the show. I just don't have enough time to like do it for like some of my older things, even though I, it would be a lot of fun to do that for some of my previous one, books or whatever. But just keep moving forward, man. Yeah, 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 you know? absolutely. And then uh other question was, oh, do you guys remember the the robotic cat thing that was in one episode? Yes. There was, a, there was one. Uh, there was one question that said, "Do people? Do people?" typically build their own animecas which was the name i came up for them is there a market for them or is it or are they more utilitarian or more are they a more utilitarian industry tool um and i don't know i had a lot of fun coming up with that idea for it was part of the like actually steve what you said about um how you really liked that the that the bus had like insect legs yeah. It made me. It made me really want to. It made me want to lean into that more and like, oh, I should just do more like unusual stuff, just like fun, different things. And 
and that was kind of part of it was the theme of the on the world of pan that they have more of these kind of like these robotic vehicles or whatever and that was kind of part of that um i kind of had this whole back thing where there was there used to be a big market for more robots like everybody had like robot bodyguards and or people had their robotic animal pack animal things but that was like 50 years ago and it went out of style and so that's why there's just a few there's just a few kicking around and that's why uh aramis's friend gail has one and it's like a fun side project kind of like the the buddy you know who has like a classic car from the 60s and it's just so like it's kind of that kind of a thing and I had this whole, there's all this other backstory about like, there's this whole, there is a bunch of, they are kind of, they're more prevalent in like, in an industrial side, like they're used for helping building things or whatever. But like, there's all, all that's like behind this, under the surface, behind the scenes things that they're around. They're just not everywhere, I guess. So. All right. Well, how can our listeners find your stuff? So they go to worldsamaybar.com, the M-E-B-A-R. Like rebar with an M in the front, <laughs> and uh, and also Worlds of Maybar on Apple Podcast, on Stitcher, on Google Play, all that stuff. It's Are you on, on Spotify? No. So Spotify is interesting. They you can't put stuff on there. They just pick the most famous things and put and then just they just nip like oh that one's famous I'll take that one so that's. That's actually not true anymore. It you isn't? can put your stuff on Spotify. Wait yeah. a minute. Wait. Yeah. A, oh, I have to figure that out then. Okay. The only downside, <laughs> the only downside doesn't apply to like us or or you, which is the dynamic ads don't work. Like they oh. just take one version of the show and hmm. whatever ads happen to populate when you first published it, those mm-hmm. are the ones that are oh. always there. So they'll figure that out. Though. Wow, I mean, interesting. So. Well, yeah, that's good news for me to find out. Cool. There well, you go. Not, not on Spotify yet, <laughs> but, <laughs> but soon will be. <laughs> well, uh-huh. we aren't either. Don't panic's not on there yet either. But I gotta, I gotta figure that out. Okay. But the life science effect is mm, on, cool. on Spotify. <laughs> but cool. Anyway, um, the other thing you can do is go to any of the things. Instagram, mm-hmm. Snapgram, Chat, Chatify, <laughs> uh, Faceify, Book, Book, Bookface, Twitter, faces and books. Any of he those names. He just named off a bunch of Dick Tracy characters. <laughs> <laughs> and you go to oh, at a William Wright, and there it is. There yep. he is, and there you can f- figure it all is. out. Anything that you did not get a chance to tell us that you were hoping you would get a chance to tell us? I'm planning on doing, so maybe in the summer or early fall, I want to do a Kickstarter for a print version of the book so that people can get a physical in their hands copy of it. Um, Cool. The plan is, yeah, so the plan is to do that so that they're ready in time for December. So like for the holiday season. So that's right. That's the plan. I'm still kind of putting the pieces together on that. But that's so, and it's just like all the other things. They just have to go to look for A. William Wright on Kickstarter, and that's me also. So, have you tried to get, 
Uh, v. William Wright on any of the things? <laughs> I haven't. That's not a bad idea. Some, I think the William Wright already has him. <laughs> oh, there's like there's already somebody. Yeah. That's funny. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Uh, yeah, thanks we, for having we me. Always, it's always so a pleasure. Ha- good luck on on the future stuff. Yeah, thanks. I love being on the show with you guys. What a top. Well, we got another good one. <laughs> <laughs> Jam-packed full of stuff. Yeah, this one is packed, folks. It is, and it's, it's somewhat coherent. <laughs> thanks for listening. Don't forget to go to don'tpanicradioshow.com to get all the links to all the different ways of listening to the show. Please share. Give us a, you know, rating on iTunes, uh-huh. Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever wherever you listen, you know, click that little button that gives us a little love. All right. Don't don't forget to put it on the page. I don't care who you are if you're if you're if you're if you're on our group page and you you want you, you think something would strike our fancy or whatever or just fit, put it out there. We got a, we got a lot of guys that do it, but that doesn't mean that we wouldn't want more. So play along. Well, we might we might talk about your hashtag. Put it on the page. Mm-hmm. That having been said, for Paul Schultz, I'm Steve Vinson. And nothing, and nothing, you just heard, nothing, you just heard, you just heard, was true, was true, was true. been enjoyable like knowing that i can make good noises in people's ears <laughs> <laughs>